0: I don't know. We got a night of soul for you. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music, Amy?
1: It is midnight in Cozy Corner and around the world. Happy New Year and welcome to 2020. Pour yourself a cup of coffee. Put your feet up and get ready to howl at the moon. It is time for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio.
2: What do we got tonight?
1: Tonight, we got the classic 1954 Alfred Hitchcock Jimmy Stewart Grace Kelly movie, Rear Window. Can you dig it? I can dig it. I can dig it. I can dig it, I can dig it too. I am the coyote. Happy New Year! You are listening to the late night Friend with Dan and Faith, right here on WKF Corner Public Radio. Ow! <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very Looky Lou co host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Very happy new year to you and to all of our listeners out there. If this is your first time in Cozy Corner, we welcome you. If you're a return listener, we thank you for your continued support. So, Faith, we're coming up. We've been doing the show. Uh, This is our 11th month doing the show we're coming up on a year can you believe uh, that i cannot believe it. and we're in the year 2020
3: <laughs> i know the
2: year of hindsight <laughs> yes perfect perfect hindsight right yeah so what are we talking about tonight because we have a pretty stone cold classic tonight
3: we are talking about alfred hitchcock's rear window
2: from 1954 and this is part of a theme month here the Late Night Ooh. Fright. We've done theme months before. We did the mm-hmm. Universal Monsters, didn't we? We did. I feel like we kind of maybe did something else at one point, mm. to
3: Possibly. Possibly. But I can't remember last we, we don't even
2: know our own show. <laughs> don't even know our own show. But this is Mystery Thriller Month here. And we're starting off with Rear Window from the master director, Alfred Hitchcock. But check out this list here. We got Play Misty for me. And Faith, you know who directed Play Misty for me, don't you?
3: Uh, I sure do. Who is it Clint, Eastwood. Clint
2: Eastwood <laughs> we're going to follow that up with Blowout from Brian De Palma he directed uh, a couple of your favorite movies uh, mm-hmm. Carrie being one of them I believe then we're going to follow that up with Reservoir Dogs from our old buddy Quentin Tarantino and we're going to round out January the same way we started with Alfred Hitchcock and Faith what movie is that it's one of your favorites I know you. Oh, the look on her <laughs> face right now is absolutely wonderful Faith what are we rounding out January
3: Psycho. with?
2: Psycho Psycho that is one of
3: my favorite it's one
2: of my favorite movies too so we're starting off mystery thriller month as i said with the master of the mystery thriller suspense genre himself alfred hitchcock and i picked this movie to start with because there's so many hitchcock movies Mm -hmm. to to pick from this filmography is great
4: we're gonna talk (laughs) about his
2: filmography in just a few minutes when we get into the movie but um i was torn between this and vertigo and vertigo i think is his absolute masterpiece but I, I think rear window is a little more of a, of a better entry point into right. Hitchcock and we've talked about Hitchcock a little on this show when we did what lies beneath mm-hmm. and that was one of our very first episodes all the way back in March of 2019 <laughs> and that is of course available whatever podcast are found but uh, so so we've we've hit on him a little bit and we're gonna hit on him quite a bit tonight and uh, let me ask you this was a first- time view for you what did you think of rear window.
3: I actually loved this movie. I'm so glad you picked it. it it's so good.
2: Yeah, it's it's I mean it's a classic. It really- it's a classic. It's one of the greatest in this genre and one of the greatest movies ever made. And uh, we're gonna get into it. But also uh, this is fun for us and the idea for Mystery Thriller Sprang from we, we love the, hor- the, the horror film. We do the horror film here and uh, not to take a break from it, but you know the horror film does have roots in the mystery mm-hmm. thriller genre. and we had so much fun when we did Sweeney Todd a few weeks ago <laughs> when we did the musical genre and we were able to kind of get out of the horror genre and look at the horror genre from a different lens and uh, so this is where this came from. And the other thing too, faith, these are some really good movies that we have here <laughs> planned out for this month. <laughs> so uh for for the next couple of months just give you a heads up uh if you're following the show regularly we are going to be doing some theme months here for the next uh three or four months so uh we'll we'll keep you clued in on what we're doing and uh we certainly hope you had a wonderful holiday we hope you got to see friends and family and 2019 has now been taken out with the garbage (laughs) welcome 2020 we hope it's a good one
3: Absolutely. I think it's going to be a good one. I think it is.
2: Faith, I am really ready to talk about Rear Window, but you know, we have a little bit of business first, don't we?
3: Yes, it's time for the news. Time
2: for the news.
3: It's January, and that means February is just around the corner, and that means Valentine's Day will soon be upon us. And I could not care less.
2: You and me both, sister. Well, Faith, it's New Year's and that means it's time for resolutions. I resolve to get the awful monkey of quaaludes, meth, amphetamines, and glue off of my back. I have no one to blame for these terrible addictions, but everyone in my life. Thanks, gang, you all suck.
3: You're welcome. Two thousand and nineteen has left the building and twenty twenty is but an infant. Let's hope this baby doesn't poop everywhere. We're out of wet wipes and baby poop is gross.
2: Toxic, in fact. Another resolution I have is to not, in all caps, not ask Robert England to be on our show. He broke our heart last year and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Faith, who am I kidding? Pass me that bottle of glue and cue off the song.
3: Here's your glue.
0: That's the news.
5: England, England,
2: don't keep us dreaming. Come on, I show, come on, I show,
1: come on, I show, prime time.
2: Faith, this is the Elmer's school glue. I need the model glue to get my fix. Sorry. (laughs) That's all right, I forgive you. Well, happy 2020. Happy New Year. We hope you are doing well. We hope you are happy. We hope you are healthy. And we hope you get wealthy this year, too. I hope you had your cabbage and your black-eyed peas. Faith, what are we talking about again? Rear window. Rear window from Alfred Hitchcock. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side.
0: This is Harrison Ford, the Big HF, coming to you with the Straight Dope. The Straight Dope is the number one rated show on the radio. Why? People want the Straight Dope Want the Straight Dope. It's 2020. I don't have an exciting new blend for you. It's called Hindsight. They say hindsight's 2020. Well, this blend is guaranteed to knock you right on your ass. You won't have any regrets. You won't have any resolutions. You won't have much of anything except for a want for a chocolate chip cookie. I'm also going to be talking about some of my New Year's resolutions. Here's a hint. I don't have any. Davy Crockett and Chewbacca combined. What do I have to worry about? Join me, Harrison Ford, the big HF, on whatever the hell radio station this is. I really don't care. Straight up. All right, I'm done. Turn off the music.
1: 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, Five,
2: four, three, two, one, fire! This is astronaut Rod Johnson coming to you from the International Space Station high above the Earth. I have a new show on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio called Space Jocks. I will be chronicling what it takes to survive in space. Join me this week as I cover what we do to take a number two. I'm going to walk you through the whole procedure. Let's say your Bombay doors are ready to open and the payload is ready to go. What do you do? Tune in to Space Jocks to find out. That space deuce sounded pretty lethal. I hope he followed proper procedure because I am not cleaning that up. Space Jocks on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. This is Bobby D'Amato, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright. It's New Year's, you watch the ball drop, and now it's time to get on those resolutions. Ladies, if you're tired of your ass looking like you're sitting in nacho cheese, come on down to Cozy Corner's newest workout experience. It's called Foxy Ladies. Let them help you get in shape. You tired of that ass looking like it's curdled and you want it to look like it's tight? Foxy Ladies is the place for you. We got weights, we got cardio machines, we got aerobics classes, we even got a little spot where you can take selfies and show all your friends that you're at Foxy Ladies. Cozy Corner's newest workout experience, just for the ladies. Foxy Ladies, right here in Cozy Corner. Tell them Bobby sent you. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And
4: I am Faith. And Happy
2: New Year to you. Happy we are New Year. C- yes. <laughs> we are celebrating 2020 with Mystery Thriller Month, and we are mm-hmm. kicking it off in grand style with 1954's Alfred Hitchcock film Rear Window starring a bunch of nobodies.
3: Yeah, I've never heard of any of these people.
2: A bunch of nobodies. Mm-mm, yeah. You know. I kid, we got some icons here, don't we? <laughs> yes. Uh We got an icon behind the camera in the form of Alfred Hitchcock. We got Jimmy Stewart, maybe the greatest movie star of all time. He's he's always in the conversation. I think he was uh, ranked number three all time mm-hmm. behind Humphrey Bogart and possibly Paul Newman, possibly. Uh, John Wayne maybe was the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's always in that conversation. Jimmy Stewart is, is wonderful. And a woman. We have a woman now. Hitchcock liked blondes. He really liked (laughs) blondes. And of all the blondes that he liked, he liked this woman the best. And with good reason. (laughs) Now, we talked about what lies beneath on this show, and our favorite blonde was in that Michelle Pfeiffer. And Michelle Pfeiffer would have worked really well in any of Hitchcock movies. Uh, It's a shame that she didn't get to work with the great director because I think they would have really hit it off. But, But the woman we have here...
3: I think is she, okay. Uh, I think she does it justice. Would you like to introduce her? <laughs> Grace Kelly, is princess, we princess <laughs> Grace me. of
2: Monaco. Excuse
3: me, I forgot.
2: <laughs> yes, we also have the wonderful character actress Thelma Ritter in this movie, and she holds the uh, record for number of nominations for the Oscar for supporting actress, and she received one <laughs> for this film. We also have the greatest television lawyer of all time, Perry Mason himself. Raymond Burr in this movie, playing the uh, playing the antagonist as it is, he didn't win this case. No. That's the thing about Perry Mason. Perry Mason always won. I asked my mother, I said, did Perry Mason ever lose the case? She goes, no, only if he wanted to. <laughs> so, let's get into it. Alfred Hitchcock, Faith, you're a fan of Mr. Hitchcock. What makes you such a fan of Mr. Hitchcock?
3: Man, I think he just... Everything that he that he, he comes out with is just so well done, and it's just so nice to look at too. You know, what I mean,
2: yeah, he, he just he, he he knew what he was doing, yeah, didn't he? He did. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle off uh, some names of movies here. This is just a few in this filmography. Just absolutely amazing. Strangers on a Train, Lifeboat, North by Northwest, The Birds, Vertigo, Psycho. That's just a few. It's just it's just a few. Uh, He is a name director. We've been lucky enough to talk about a few name directors on here. uh, Quentin Tarantino being one of them. But Alfred Hitchcock, you know, I think stands above all of them. I think everyone uh, directing movies owes a debt to Alfred Hitchcock. Mm -hmm. And I think he is cited as possibly the most influential director of all time. I mean, people Uh, from David Lynch to Ron Howard to Steven Spielberg to, you know, uh, Stanley Kubrick, you know, cited Alfred Hitchcock as an influence and rightfully so he, he was such a good director of entertainment, but then he had this avant garde streak Mm anymore. He would, he would play with things and Quentin Tarantino famously said that he likes to play the audience like a symphony. So he's, you know, pulling the strings and he's getting those things. Hitchcock was first with that quote. Hitchcock said he liked to play them like a piano and he's the master of suspense. What he Mm -hmm. said about suspense was a bomb under a table goes off. That's surprise. We know the bomb is under the table, but not when it's going to go off. That's suspense. He knew how to just pull the strings, and I think he pulls the strings here pretty well. Oh, yeah. You think? <laughs> I think so. You think? This uh, this lover of blondes has influenced uh, several of the movies that we've done on this show. Fright Night.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Think about that. <laughs> Looking, you know, Charlie Brewster, Looky Lewin into Jerry Dandridge's house. What Lies Beneath. Robert Zemeckis, who I think is maybe the heir to Hitchcock in a lot of ways, because mm-hmm. uh, Hitchcock, as I said, he brought a high level of art, entertainment and experimentation in what he did. That sounds an awful lot like Robert Zemeckis yeah. with some of the things that he's done,
4: mm-hmm.
2: you know, yeah. and and I know a lot of people out there might disagree with that. But I think Robert Zemeckis has really brought the art of cinema forward. And I know he cites Alfred Hitchcock as right. possibly his favorite director. Uh, and then also a little movie we both liked has elements of rear window and it's summer of 84. Yes. So yeah. we've been kind of dancing around him a little bit, haven't we? We have, yeah. We're finally we finally got to him. Uh we talk about awards on this show and what do awards mean to us?
3: Nothing really.
2: <laughs> Would you like to know why awards mean nothing really to me? Yes. Mr. Hitchcock never won an Oscar. <laughs> wow. Okay. Your look says it all. <laughs> I
3: mean.
2: Let that sink in. Alfred Hitchcock never won an Oscar.
3: Yeah. And I think that's kind of where I lean, too, towards awards. There are so many people who are deserving of them, you know, and they never win. So it's Yes. Like, yes. Mean. And
2: we've said before, there are times when, man, this is so good. You deserve that. You Like, right. somebody deserves this recognition. But he never got, he never got, you know, the, the, the validation, quote, unquote, of the award. Right.
4: Yeah. So.
2: Uh, A little side note on Alfred Hitchcock. Do you know what his favorite movie was in his later years before he passed away? Smokey and the Bandit, starring Burt Reynolds. (laughs) He had his own personal print. His daughter says he would watch it every day.
3: (laughs) That's awesome. Isn't that awesome?
2: (laughs) Yes. Put on Smokey and the Bandit again. (laughs) my bad hitchcock but hitchcock was he's one of those guys he's so culturally significant too because he Mm -hmm. had his television series and people knew who he was you know and and just a a household name and he loved you know playing the audience and he really reflects the audience back on itself here Mm -hmm. in this movie we're gonna we're gonna get to that would you like to uh, offer up a very brief synopsis of this movie because there's not much to the story is no, there not
3: really uh what's his name uh uh James Jeff- Stewart
2: plays uh lb jeffries jeffries that's yes. right
3: uh it has a broken leg he's in a wheelchair he's a photographer yes so he's a little bored and he just so happens to just sit in the wheelchair and watch his neighbors in their window and he thinks he has spotted a murder happen And wants to start a full-on investigation (laughs) from the apartment.
2: Yeah. It's uh, Greenwich Village. It's (laughs) hot. It's the summer. These people have uh, no curtains because that's (laughs) the way it is. Uh, Let's talk about the setting here, Mm -hmm. the uh, Greenwich Village apartment complex that we find ourselves here. This was one of the biggest sets ever built. Up to this time, and it had its own drainage system because it was wow. so big. Yes, yes. I mean, when they, you know, it was raining, you know, they That's put the water cool. on. Isn't that cool? What did you think of the setting?
3: I loved it. It was one of my favorite, my favorite pieces, you know, parts of the whole movie. I loved it. It, it looked real. I mean, it didn't really, I mean, yeah, you could tell it was a set, but I mean, it's still, did it remind you of anything? <laughs>
2: It did it remind me of anything. It it didn't. Nothing that's off the top of this my head.
3: This is really weird. But for like two seconds, Sesame Street popped into my head.
2: Oh, I'll go there. I'll go there. Yeah. <laughs> it's
3: like a split second, I was like, Sesame Street. No, but I think it looked great. And I think it being a yeah. Technicolor like that, I think it just. It Those looks old so movies good. have a have a certain yeah, look to them, don't
2: they? I loved it. I wanna uh, I wanna come back to your Sesame Street thing. Um okay. Uh, The thing about this movie is, you know, with these old movies, you often hear, you know, boy, they don't make them like that anymore. Mm -hmm. My screenwriting mentor, Rick Blackwood, gave me a great bit of advice. And this applies to movies, art, music, things that are still remembered. You know, this is what, 70 years ago? Yeah. Now, uh, it's not that they don't make them, you know, like that anymore. They never made them like that. This is why this has come forward, you know, through time to us. You know, they had just as much crap back then as they do now. Mm -hmm. But every now and then a movie will come forward, you know, from the mists of time to us. And it sticks around because this does what it did first and it does what it did maybe the best out of out of anything. So uh, I do I do want to say that. So, you know, if you're looking at this as an old movie, don't make them like this. They never made them like this. You know,
4: (laughs) (laughs) they never
2: made them like this. I want to come back to Sesame Street because now all I can think about is a remake of Rear Window featuring Sesame Street <laughs> characters. You got Snuffleupagus yeah, in that apartment, a, yes. And Mrs. Snuffleupagus goes missing, and Big Birds and
3: like Big Birds in, the one that dances.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Torso, yes, I believe that's is big her Bird. name. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's Oscar the Grouch who's laid up in his garbage yes. can. So well, that's a that's a great segue because. We're looking through these windows at these characters, mm-hmm. as we were saying, and what I liked about it was there's all these little vignettes going on. There's like movies within movies that are right. happening here, all these little stories. So who we have? We have Miss Lonely Hearts, mm-hmm. this lonely old woman. There's the uh, composer who uh, who is a songwriter, you know, is trying to write and gets frustrated. Mm-hmm. Then you have uh, the newlyweds, and then you have uh, Mrs. Torso, the the ballet dancer. And I'm just going to say this right up front: she was my least favorite. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> sure. I didn't like her at all. <laughs> sure,
4: she was. And then
2: we have uh, Raymond Burr playing Lars, the uh, salesman who may or may not have killed his wife. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert: he did. Um,
3: what about the people who had the dog?
2: Yes, yeah, uh, the the kind of middle aged couple who are sleeping, sleeping out on the on balcony the because, and I assumed it's because it was so hot.
3: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, because I'm and like, they, why else would they be out there? And they had
2: the little basket and they had to put their little dog in, and the dog <laughs> will roam the uh, complex, and people just love the dog and all that. So, yeah. <laughs>
3: On everybody.
2: What's the uh what's the Muppets name? The little she's is it Zoe? She's got the little plane. So. She'd be I think Mrs. That. Torso. She'd be the one dancing with the little fairy wings <laughs> in her in her ones. I swear to you out there, Sesame Street is nowhere on this this <laughs> stack of notes that I have for this. Thank you for that, Faye.
3: You are welcome.
2: <laughs> so LB Jeffries, played by Jimmy Stewart, is looking in on his neighbors. Now we're gonna get to this. He's a photographer, so he's used to looking. Uh But what I find really interesting about the setting here, so we talked about the apartment complex, the action of this movie, everything takes place in his apartment, which I think is really interesting. Did that do anything for you in terms of claustrophobia? Was that something you noticed as the movie was going on?
3: Yeah, it was kind of a mental note that I took. It didn't bother me necessarily, but I can see where people would, you know, that kind of everything's kind of closed in that kind of claustrophobia kind of feel because you're kind of confined to this one space throughout the
2: whole entire thing yeah i I never felt claustrophobia from this i did but it's one of those things like because he's cooped up in this in this room did you notice the camera work was always you're always looking out from his Mm -hmm. from his apartment you don't go over a few times at the end you will have close-ups of the other people when kind of the world i guess opens up but no when he's in that apartment you're looking at the world from his his point point of view Except for one moment in the film, which I think is really interesting, a little bit of information, and we'll go ahead and say it right now for before, before we forget it when we get there. But um so you see in everything from his point of view. Uh voyeurism is a running theme in this movie.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: What
2: did you think of the voyeurism in this movie?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's very apparent. I yeah, mean, and they make it's, it apparent. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: it's 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 not even under the surface. No. It's it's, no. it's 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 ready to pop. You I mean, know?
3: even I think Stella kind of mentions, I the, mean, this is what she people have
2: the turned into. You know? <laughs> of, I mean, Stella, played by the late great Thelma Ritter, uh, she has a spiel right there at the beginning when she comes in. And um, I'm looking for it right now. Uh, she says, we've become a nation of peeping Toms. And that's really what this is about. Yeah. So, But the great thing about the vorism is it's it's us the movie goer right. <laughs> watching him watch people right. which is so <laughs> interesting so hitchcock has kind of turned that like on its head which yeah. i found fascinating and we see everything from his point of view which yeah. which was fascinating yeah,
3: so because it's so different because i feel like like you said most movies would kind of go back and forth to you know his yeah. point of view let's go see what's happening over here but it it holds you there on just his point of view where we're, you know, sitting with him with that. Right.
2: And that, to me, is the kind of, uh, if you want to call it experimental or avant-garde, mm-hmm. but the kind of real artistic right. nature of Hitchcock. And right. what Hitchcock could do this and get away with it because he was Hitchcock. He was successful. <laughs> exactly. You know? But um, I find that really interesting. So we see everything from his point of view, except for one crucial bit of evidence that he doesn't have, that the audience has. And that's when you see uh, Raymond Burr walk out with a woman after he's killed the wife. And so we know that someone left the apartment, but we so it creates that doubt in the audience's mind mm-hmm. as to whether or not Jimmy Stewart's character is crazy or not, making right. this up, you know, and <laughs> right. and what's going and then you get the idea like, well, what's really going on over there? Is something <laughs> is something else going on? You know, yep. <laughs> which think about it, if you don't have that bit of information, then you're just with him the entire time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, of course, but you have that little bit of doubt and that's what he's so good at when he says, you know, I like to play the audience, you know, <laughs> you know, and that's the only point of view shot you get that's not, you know, Jimmy Stewart taking in right. this information, right? which I think is, is fantastic. It is. So, it's like you
3: said, I mean, he knows how to play with the audience because that was what was going through my mind the whole time was going back and forth. You know, right, right. Did, did he really do something? You know,
2: <laughs> right, right. And I mean, it's it's fascinating. It is. It's it's a and it's a fascinating look. And I I want to talk more about voyeurism when we come back from our from our break. I want to talk about some of the themes of the movie that I think are really interesting. But I want to talk about the guy at the center of this, Jimmy Stewart. You know. Mm-hmm. As we said, he's an icon of, right. of, of, of cinema and one of the greatest actors I think who's ever worked in, in movies. Academy Award winner for 1940's The Philadelphia Story. Interesting fact, he is the most decorated uh, Hollywood actor uh, who served in the military during World War mm-hmm. II. He's also the highest ranking Hollywood actor behind Ronald Reagan. And he's only eclipsed by Ronald Reagan because Ronald Reagan became commander in chief. <laughs> so <laughs> fascinating guy. What are what were your general uh, impressions of Jimmy Stewart before going into this because you know he's he's this guy he's part of the culture you know right. and he's got a distinctive style and look and and, and feel and, and and vocal cadence to mm. him that's often imitated but you know what were your impressions of Jimmy Stewart going into this
3: uh, you know I obviously knew he was going to deliver I haven't seen too many movies with him sadly but I I, I knew who he was obviously I mean how can you not know who he is, right? But um, I knew going in that he would have to be uh, uh, yeah. incredible. In yeah, this, you know.
2: he was one of Hitchcock's go-to guys. He and Cary Grant were the uh, were the two actors right. that he really liked. But um, there's this there's this uh, thought that Jimmy Stewart's this all American, squeaky clean mm-hmm. guy, you know. And he came up in comedies in the uh, 30s and 40s. But the thing is, he went to World War II, and he came back. And there's this dark streak in his filmography. <laughs> Now, his most famous movie is probably It's a Wonderful Life. That's on mm-hmm. every year at Christmas. Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life? Parts
4: of it. I've never okay. seen the whole
2: thing. Wonderful message in that movie, you know, about you know, the need to change, you know, mm-hmm. and, and all this, and, and everybody's, you know, you know, worthwhile, and some really heartwarming and, and needed messages. Right. What I love about that movie is when it starts off, he's getting ready to kill himself. <laughs> Suicide is the driving force in that movie. You look at these uh, Westerns he did with Anthony Mann, uh, you know, the man from Laramie. There's these wonderfully dark Westerns that he did. So, no, he's not, you know, this all-American squeaky clean guy. No, there's a lot of, you know, I'm not saying that he was dark. Right. Because you know, he seemed like he was just a very down-to-earth guy. But he he could do that material. exactly. And it kind of gets, you know, the uh, comparisons made. Well, Tom Hanks is a modern Jimmy Stewart. I don't see it that way. No. I see it more as... <laughs> somebody, uh the way he could handle comedy and go to that dark place, and, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong about this. Somebody like a Michael Keaton is more, mm-hmm. you know, in that line, you know, uh Jimmy Stewart doing a movie like Harvey where he sees the invisible rabbit, which is one of my favorites. Um but the movie he did that's one of my favorites is called Shenandoah, where he plays a I think he's a, a guy from the uh union side of the civil war his son went off to fight for the union and a confederate soldier killed his son and he tracks down this guy because he's going to kill him and he in the confrontation he has with this this boy at the end of the movie will break your heart and spoiler he doesn't kill him but he gives one of these really wonderful you know speeches mm-hmm. you have to live with that the way that i have to live with this and wh- he was wonderful and you know, all-American, squeaky-clean Jimmy Stewart is delivering this just hard-ass, you know, thing. And wonderful, wonderful. He was a uh, – I believe he was a lifelong Republican. His uh, best friend was Henry Fonda, who was a lifelong Democrat. And uh, Bridget Fonda says the two of them could get together and build models together and not talk for hours and have the time of their lives. And <laughs> says they never talked politics. It never entered the equation. I think there's a lesson in that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, don't let your politics divine yourself or your friends, you know, in this (laughs) cancel culture we find ourselves in. I'm not going to get on the soapbox with that. But I I do think that's that needed to be needed to be mentioned. So he did have that that kind of dark streak in him. You know, Um, what did you think of his performance here?
3: What do you think I thought?
2: (laughs) I think you loved it.
3: Oh, I absolutely did. I mean. I think it's. Uh, I think it takes a lot to just sit in a wheelchair, you know, in one place and deliver such a good performance. And he's so good. Everything, everything he brings here, he's yeah. just so incredible.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think about Hitchcock casting this guy? Because again, there is that image that people had of uh-huh. okay, Jimmy Stewart, that's <laughs> an all-American boy. Hitchcock casts him as a guy who's kind of sadistic with the way that he's looking at people and obsessive about the way he's looking at people. Does that strike you as as a master move by the uh, master uh, manipulator Hitchcock?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I mean, because obviously he fits that so well in this, you know, he plays that role so well.
2: Right. And the thing that gets me is he's so normal. Yeah and it could be anybody watching you know we all have this sick you know compulsive thing to watch and we're gonna i want to talk more about that after the break but uh i I do i think we have this kind of obsessive thing that Uh, we we want to watch
4: yeah
2: and this is what this is about so (laughs) we covered the mystery element of it but Mm -hmm. faith this is also kind of a love story isn't it Mm -hmm. and uh One of the other big themes in this movie we're going to talk about with the voyeurism is the uh, kind of battle of the sexes, uh, quote unquote. I didn't have a better title for it, but marriage and things are running through this and and male female relationships are running through this. And as we mentioned, we have, I mean, my God, Grace Kelly. (laughs) It's Grace Kelly in this movie. Uh, What do you what do you think of Grace Kelly? I mean, she's uh, and let's be completely superficial here. I mean, let's just let's just talk about how she looked, because this is the peak of her. Of her right. looks here, uh, she was not in a lot of movies. She was in a couple of classic movies. She did win an Oscar, and then she left Hollywood because she met Prince Rainier of Monaco, and <laughs> she became Princess Grace. And she 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 gave it all up for love.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You now a lot of people, a lot of women want to be princesses. Guess what? Grace Kelly actually became <laughs> she one. Got
3: her wish.
4: <laughs> she
2: became one. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's something that she you know wanted, I, but I, I I, know. I, yeah. <laughs> But uh, she she worked well. She died in 1981. She was in a car accident. She was being driven by her daughter, I believe, and and she left us a little too early. And uh, I'm making no judgments, but I would have liked some more movies from her. And Hitchcock wanted her to come and just be in his movies, but (laughs) no, she was married with kids, you know. So uh, I'm serious. So Let's be super superficial here. Uh, Grace Kelly, just the look. She's gorgeous. I mean, right?
3: So gorgeous. One of the prettiest.
2: I think ever. the prettiest to ever be on a movie screen. What is it about her that that draws you in as a as a as a looky loo?
3: <laughs> as a looky loo? <laughs> I don't know. She just has this this quality to her. I don't know when she enters this. You know, she pops up on screen. She's just yeah. natural looking. I don't know if that's a good. I don't know.
2: Um, I'll go natural. There's uh yeah, and she dolls up real nice too, doesn't she? Yeah, but there's but it's effortless. Yeah. Everything about her is effortless. There's you know, uh, just this quality, and and she's approachable too. But
3: can I can I use a pun? She's like, kind of, it's kind of graceful.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's very. Yeah, you can do that. Your show, you can do whatever you want. Don't let anybody tell you any different. <laughs> there, there's, uh, there's a goddess element to her yes, in a lot that's of a, ways, that's a but good word. approachable. Mm-hmm. You know.
3: Yeah, not a superficial. She yeah. thinks she's hot stuff type. Yeah, of, she doesn't have that vibe yeah, but a classy
2: her. elegance yes. and uh we were talking about this because uh we knew we were doing the movie and we were talking about grace kelly throughout the week and i sent you a couple pictures that i really like right of her do you feel that modern uh, and i don't mean this as a blanket term but you know modern some modern female celebrities uh could learn a thing or two from grace kelly's elegance and demeanor because yes. i tend to fall on the side that Yes, they can. You know, she didn't, you know, show the goodie bag. Right. (laughs) She didn't (laughs) need (laughs) to. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Do you feel that's something that's lost from society? I think so, yeah. That, you know. I think so. Yeah. So, well, we meet her and the first shot, what do you think of the first shot, her introduction into this movie? Because she comes in in a very... Unique way. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart is sleeping. This is one of the most famous introductions in all the movie. She comes in. We see the shadow go over him. It combines horror elements <laughs> with the shadow and the suspense of who is this? And you see her, but then the romantic, you know, element of that slow motion kiss and one of my favorite kisses in in, in movies. And uh, what did you think of her introduction here?
3: I think it was really. I think it was really cool. Really different, like you said, because you expect it to be <laughs> someone not who she is you know <laughs> it you know it's got that kind of horrific element to it at yeah. first and then it's like oh okay yeah. not what you were expecting but
2: yeah really cool now if you're lb jeffries played by jimmy stewart uh it could be a little horrific that she's there because they seem to be at a crossroads in their uh-huh. relationship and marriage is on the table he trots the globe she is a uh, fashion model and and uh, a designer a fashion mm-hmm. designer and she's Pretty well to do. She's uptown girl. He's a downtown guy, like the Billy Joel song in a lot of ways. And I was wondering if Billy Joel possibly got that song from here if it was straight about Christy Brinkley and himself. I don't know. I digress. I digress. But um, you know, marriage is on the table. They're having uh, I don't want to say an argument, but there is a pretty uh big discussion going on. Uh, Jimmy Stewart feels boxed in, uh thinks she might want to go around the world with him. You know, the places he goes, she he doesn't think she can cut. She does want him to stay there in New York and, as she says, wear a flannel suit and take portraits and be very well paid because he's really great at what he does and so you can tell that they dig each other a whole lot right and are a couple and compliment each other in a long ways but there's there's a real conversation going on there. What did you think of the relationship because the relationship is the other heart of this mm-hmm. this movie?
3: yeah, I think uh I don't think I was expecting that much of that in this does that make any sense you know
2: were you expecting more of a straight whodunit here we go kind of I wasn't
3: expecting it to be as romantic as romantic yeah, yeah and more of a you know a love story kind of lean in that way so it was really cool to kind of tie that into the story I think it worked cool to see that in there you know it was a nice um what's the word I'm looking for
2: It was a nice juxtaposition between the mystery and the the romance, yeah, Yeah. and they work hand in hand, which is which is really cool. Also,
3: it ties in with watching everybody else and the kind of things that are going on in there.
2: You hit the nail on the head because we're going to talk. I want to talk about that when we get to one of the other when we get after the break with one of the themes uh, that I think is kind of interesting. But um, what do you think of the uh, the questions that's between them? You know. uh, where they're at do you think that uh one of them is right one of them is wrong do you think there's merit in what both of them are saying
3: possibly both i,
2: I saw merit in in, bo- yeah. in both sides of the discussion i see that
3: yeah
2: um they're they're pretty unique individuals mm-hmm. the two of them i don't want either of them to lose their individuality right you know uh do you want them to end up together there's yeah i was wondering this <laughs> as i was watching the movie i was like there's a part of me that does and a part of me that, you know, maybe they should go their separate right. way. But as for me, as the movie goes on, you see how similar they really mm-hmm. are.
3: And I think, too, the fact that she kind of did what she did for him.
2: Yeah. You know, And so willingly and, right. and without, uh, you know, want of trying to impress him.
3: Right. I think that kind of makes you like, OK, maybe they should be together, you know, because I mean, that's a lot. That's risky for, Yeah. you know for her to do that
2: yeah. so you do get the idea uh, that they do end up together she's there with him at the end of the movie mm-hmm. so but in what capacity how they worked out that problem the movie does not address that right. but uh I, I do like that they end up together mm-hmm. because I do <laughs> want to see them together uh, right. I do understand his fear of commitment I, I get that I also get where she's coming from and I think the movie doesn't take sides right? in it or maybe it does well again uh, <laughs> I'll keep teasing after the break but we'll talk about that We have two other actors I would like to talk about. We mentioned one of them. Well, we mentioned both of them, but uh, one of them. Thelma Ritter, uh, she did set the record for a supporting actress nomination. She plays Stella, the nurse that is helping take care of Jimmy Stewart. Uh, What did you think of Thelma Ritter as Stella? And I'm going to go ahead and say it right here. She was my favorite part of this movie, and I like so much of this movie.
3: She was my favorite part, too. I think, I don't know, she just, she seemed very real, very down to earth but tell you how it is yeah woman you from, know it's just- that
2: new york accent she has yep. uh to she's the comic relief of the movie mm-hmm. and she is responsible for my favorite scene in the movie when he's having breakfast and they're debating how he got uh how raymond burrs uh lars got the wife out of the building and she uh comes up with that he must have cut her up and <laughs> stewart has that big glob of bacon on his uh fork and it's going in his mouth she goes yeah, there's a lot of ways to cut up a human body, you know. It just goes off on this on this little tangent, and she's not doing it to be mean or malicious or it's and it's so funny the I way know. it just comes out. And I really like her, and she she was a wonderful actress. She won a Tony. She was a Tony Award winning actress, so she was a you know stage and screen and 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 nice. I think she really adds something. I think so too to this movie. And uh, isn't it great that this manly man who trots the globe is surrounded by women? Yeah. Did, did you catch that yes. when you were watching the movie <laughs> I that said, yeah. he's literally in the hands of women you know <laughs> yeah. you know um I wouldn't say catering to his every need but uh <laughs> you know yeah the estrogen level in that apartment gets pretty high <laughs> yes. but she's she's a great addition and then as I said, we have the most famous TV lore of all time, Raymond Burr, who also appeared in the American version of Godzilla. He was edited into that film, uh into the original Japanese production. He uh he plays Lars, the neighbor, who may or may not, but yeah, it turns out he did kill his wife. Uh what did you think of Raymond Burr in this film? And and this is Raymond Burr is just as iconic yeah. you know as Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly. I mean, not, you know, on that Mount Rushmore of iconography like like they were, but <laughs> You know, for television audiences, you know, he, he, he's the man.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think he was great here, considering he didn't really have any words until, what, the yeah. last few minutes yeah. of the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, he had presence without even speaking.
2: I, I liked the energy yeah. that he brought to us, the presence. Did you find him a little human at the end when he comes into Jimmy Stewart's apartment yes. and he says, what do you want? And he's not threatening him at right. that point. Right. But what do you want? I don't have money. Well, you know, what can I do, you know, mm-hmm. to... to quote unquote make this right. I'm not right. saying I had sympathy for him because he's a stone cold killer. <laughs> exactly. But uh yeah. Yeah, he was he was really something. Um I just I really love this movie. This is this really is really do. one of the great films. You and know? I
3: had texted you you know, as I was starting I'm like, it's a little slow, but it's not bothering me. And I was like if that makes any sense, you know
2: <laughs> and the thing about the movie is the movie, for lack of a better term, is foreplay, mm-hmm. and it really does lead into the right. the orgasmic conclusion right. you know the last 25 minutes of this movie mm-hmm. really, you know it, it builds toward that and it just earns everything and, yeah. and it sets up everything and
3: that's what I was thinking and so it the, pays more, off. Yeah, the more it went on, I was like, okay, there was a reason why. It built up, right. you know, like that. So that's why I was like, it didn't bother me. I mean, because it, it turned out to be incredible. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and the other thing, too, is, is it's not just a straight mystery thriller. Right. Whodun- I think that's it.
3: what I was going in with in yeah. that idea. But once it played out, I was like, yeah. okay, I see. I see what's happening. You know yeah. why this happened.
2: But but as a mystery thriller, it is so wonderful. <laughs> and the way that it it leads to that conclusion. He's a, he's a master. He was the absolute master of this genre, I I and often imitated and never really duplicated. And uh, you know they tried to redo Psycho shot for shot, and you know <laughs> they couldn't couldn't do it. I still don't know why they did that. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, this is uh, one of my favorite movies of his. Yeah. This is
3: I'm glad you picked you know, it at
2: the top of. Uh, his filmography for me not i don't think this is his absolute piece de resistance i think that's vertigo but uh this is one of his masterpieces and and it's a fantastic movie
3: it really is all
2: the way around
3: yeah i mean i think i think given that whole element of it being real and you know about anybody watching you know i think makes it so much creepier and, and more interesting, you know?
2: Yeah, it's very accessible. That's the yeah. thing, too. Yeah, it, it's it's damn near perfect. It it, <laughs> it really is. And uh, if you have not seen this movie, I highly recommend it, like, now. It, yes. it's <laughs> It's really that good. So do you have anything you would like to add before we take a break?
3: I don't think so.
2: Well, let's take a very short break, and I would like to talk about two items uh, in the movie, two themes in this movie <laughs> when we get back. I am Dan and I am Faith, and we will see you on the other side.
1: I'm Scott Rice, host of Laser Beans. Pew pew. That's LASER with a Z and BEAMS with a Z with your update from LASER LANES. Tonight's high score in LASER TAG was Fart 69 She had 315,000 points and 228 CK. That's confirmed kills. KILLS with a Z. Laser Lanes was nice enough to provide us the traditional New Year's meal of cabbage and black eyed peas. While we have our health and wealth, the revelry was cut short because everyone had atrocious gas. Poot, 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 poot. Stink, stink. Join me, Scott Rice, for laser beams. Pew, pew. Laser with a Z and Beams with a Z right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Happy New Year 2020.
2: Ooh. CDs, Cozy Corner's newest watering hole that just opened on the wrong side of the tracks. Our liquor is as bottom shelf as our clientele. Are you feeling like making a few bad decisions? CD's is the place for you. The condom machine is never stocked. The glasses are always dirty. And the clientele is bottom shelf. CD's located on the wrong side of the tracks right here in Cozy
0: Corner. Come make some regrets.
5: You think your life is perfect? Guess what? It's not. Join us for conspiracies right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. After listening to conspiracies, you're gonna be scared shitless. GMOs Contrails, the shadow government, they're all out to get you. You're going to be so anxious after listening to conspiracies, you're going to need those mental pills they've been peddling on us for years. Conspiracies. Join your unnamed host from an undisclosed location right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. And make sure the fan is off. Because that shit is about to hit it. Conspiracies.
2: Welcome back and Happy New Year. You're listening to Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we are going to finish up our discussion of 1954's Masterpiece Rear Window from director Alfred Hitchcock. Faith, I want to talk about two themes in the movie. Uh, the first is voyeurism. We've we've hit on this uh, throughout the discussion that mm-hmm. we've been having. Um, I want to ask a question okay. because uh, let, me, let me put this out there first. We like to look, don't we? Yes traffic think about being in traffic rubberneckers <laughs> in traffic um something happens on the news you have to sit there and watch it. if it's a car crash or a, you know, a tragedy you look right you know uh there are people you know the peeping toms you know like to watch people in states of undress and, and people having sex i think everybody's curious about you know seeing other people have sex You know or you know it, it's it's one of these things that kind of runs through us and, and unites us all in a lot of ways um Hitchcock was playing with that idea because we are watching this right. and it was interesting. I found myself, uh, there's a scene where Grace Kelly pulls the blinds
4: mm-hmm.
2: about 40 minutes from the end. And she goes, enough of this, enough obsessing over this. And I got pissed. I was like, no, I want to see what's going on out there. Did you get upset with her at that moment? A I little honestly
3: bit? did too. I'm so glad you said that. I was like, no, what? no, I want to see what's happening.
2: So, so Hitchcock and voyeurism kind of go together because, you know, he knows that we're mov- movie viewers watching this movie. Right. And he's reflecting our our sadism of the watch <laughs> back to us. But uh, I want to ask a question. What do you think Alfred Hitchcock would have thought of modern society with social media? Because, you know, in this time, you know, there's things that you don't talk about. There's things you don't you don't show. And here we find ourselves in this book. Uh, era where you can go on instagram and and see you know you can see somebody's ass you know or or you can you know people share all of their problems and things on social media what do you think the master director would make out of out of this world you know
3: probably a little weirded out you know i mean
2: i know i'm weirded out and i'm not coming from his his time i'm
3: weirded out by social media i mean really weirded out so i can i can definitely see him you
2: know, being is is that to you maybe the modern voyeurism because I have found myself I'm not on Facebook anymore yeah, um I am on instagram just because of the show right and I only post things related to the show I know you don't go overboard you share pretty pictures. You know, you don't yeah. share your personal life on there now.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll post a pitch every now and then, but I'm not going to give a rundown of what I did that day. or yeah. what my problems are in life. You yeah, know?
2: how many? You know, it was it was a two ply, not three ply, toilet <laughs> paper today in the in the restroom at work. You know, right? But have we become that society where we don't have any more secrets? You know,
3: I, I, I feel like it, and 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 I think that I think that's the reason why I don't like it so much. You know, because I feel yeah. like everything's just wide open all out there there's no mystery to anything it's like
2: society is uh lb Jeffries looking in on us every day yeah it's It's, uh it's it was something i was thinking about when i was watching it you know and there's mm -hmm. there's scholarly essays out there about voyeurism so don't take my word for it go look them up you know and and make what you will out of those but uh we like to look that's what it boils down to and now you know we like to show you know which is even more interesting you know because that's the thing with this movie is He's doing this against their will. Mm-hmm. You know. They didn't invite him to look, but he's looking right. at these people. Now we invite people to look. I you know. know, we invite the voyeurs in I almost. Know. So uh I don't know. It's it's um I really would like to know what, what he what he would think about today's society, you know.
3: Again, and, if I think it's weird.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure he would find a way to mine that for suspense, you know. Right. And people have started doing that already. Yeah. But um so let's talk about the, uh, the relationship aspect here, the battle of the sexes. And this is my note I have here. The, um, do you feel that, uh, LB Jeffries is projecting on all of the neighbors, his, uh, fear of marriage, his fear of commitment to this woman? because, uh, Torvald, uh, he kind of functions as a sort of id for Jeff getting rid of the nagging wife. Cause they make the point about, you know, wives nag, mm-hmm. they used to nag and all this. And, uh, you know, he gets rid of his nagging wife and, uh, do you think that uh, his fear of marriage is is being projected onto these people? And then also, do you see any impotence in him? Because, you know, he's got the one leg, he can't move, you know. Uh, he's scared of commitment and all these things. So do you, do you see, like, this can, kind of being a commentary possibly on his masculinity and, and his fear of, of marriage yeah, and commitment? I,
3: I would say yes to everything you just asked me for sure. Yeah, I think so.
2: I I read that in a uh, I believe it was a Roger Ebert uh, article about the uh, the projections on went, That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't catch that, but I can definitely see that. Yeah, working. I didn't catch
3: it either, but you say in it, yeah, I can see that.
2: Yeah. Uh, so do we agree that what Jeff did while. Kinda, you know, kinda sadistic and twisted watching all these people it does end up well because you know he finds the murder of, right. of Mrs. Torvald. So you agree with me that yes, it does serve the greater good. Yes. <laughs> I think Hitchcock agrees with that too, and I think Hitchcock, though, but he did do a bad thing watching all these people. And Jeff, right. I Jeff I think ends up with a just punishment at the end, which is of course, he breaks his other leg, which <laughs> <laughs> Irony of ironies, right? Yeah. He's, he's he's a few days from getting the cast off and he rebreaks he, that one and breaks the other one yeah. too. So but uh what did you think about the end though when he's sleeping? He's not looking anymore. He's sleeping. He is now turned inward because Thelma Ritter has that great line about people need to uh you know go outside and look in, mm-hmm. you know kind of look inward not outwards, you know other people and he's faced away from the window and he's sleeping and boy, he's got that beautiful Grace Kelly right there on the uh, on the bed and she's reading that adventure journal about going to the Himalayas. And then she sees that he's sleeping and switches to Harper's Harper's Bazaar or whatever, (laughs) which I thought was brilliant. You know, keeping that question open as to what is going to happen to them, you know, in the future. But what did you think of the ending?
3: I liked the ending and I had read some reviews of this, um, beforehand and people were like, I love this movie, but the ending ruined it for me. And I didn't really get that. I didn't either. So, you know, because when I went, I read them before, so I was like, "Hmm, I wonder what's going to happen." I wasn't upset with the ending. Yeah, I liked it.
2: I liked uh, then that he goes into the to the room and and he's helpless and he you know he he has no way of you know protecting himself right. against you know Perry Mason right. you know, <laughs> as it is. I do like when he uh, when he uh, busts the flash in his eyes. I yes. thought that was neat and. Um, you know, uh, Hitchcock maybe making a commentary on the movie viewer, having the light in their eyes, mm-hmm. you know, which is what we're, you know, yeah. it, it's fascinating. I think this is about movies and people and relationships. I think this is what this is about, yeah. this, this movie, and kind of turns it back on us in a I lot I think of ways. so, too. So, uh, did you have any favorite moments from this?
3: Hmm. I really like when uh, when Stella and uh, Lisa, is that her name? Yes. When yes. they got involved. <laughs> you know I mean?
2: Right. When they become it, girl detectives. Yes. my god, And they and they had poo pooed him at the beginning and then they get in on this case because it is really convincing. Right. I love that.
3: They're just, they're staying up with them and they're even risking to go and dig up the garden and go into his apartment. Because we like
2: like to look because (laughs) they start looking right. Yes. It's fascinating. Yeah.
3: That's when the movie was like, okay, this, this is actually fun to watch. And it's like, okay, I like this.
2: I like when Stella talks about modern marriage and it's amazing because it's like a conversation today almost, you know, uh, you know it used to be you see somebody you like them you marry them now you know it's a bunch of four syllable words, and you got to interview them and <laughs> in a heavy petting session is more of a civil service exam you know <laughs> i liked that i liked I all of too. her little commentary i thought she was um she was uh describing the themes of this you yeah. know, very well and i liked the way they wrote her character and mm-hmm. the way that she uh you know film her or just yeah just she was definitely really one of my favorite
3: of my favorite parts of this whole movie i don't think it would have been maybe the same without her you know
2: Right, I uh, I like the way Grace Kelly turns on the lights. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's darkness in that room. She she brings the light. Yep. You know, symbolically and and figuratively, and uh, and it's not too heavy handed. It's but it's very nice. And she does that several times throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Turn on the lights.
4: Yeah,
2: uh, her introduction is just the the quintessential movie moment for me, though. Yeah, yeah, you know, when I she agree. comes in and and seeing her uh how delightful was she though when he was looking at her when she's going into the building she waves yes you know i'm doing the wave to faith right now (laughs) that cute little wave you know
3: you don't look much like grace kelly but you know
2: i know i look better
3: (laughs) absolutely
2: i look better so this has been remade um they remade this in 98 or 99 starring christopher reeve on television after his accident so uh Hmm pretty interesting uh that movie was not very good i think daryl and that was not his fault that was just right. you know the conceit i think wasn't very good daryl hannah was in that she played the uh the grace kelly role i believe maybe a uh combination of stella the stella role and the grace kelly role but uh you see this so uh what's the movie disturbia with shia yes. labeouf that's a teenage retelling yeah. of rear window as i said the influence you can see it on what lies beneath on Mm -hmm. uh fright night on uh was the other one i mentioned that we did on this show um
3: Um, summer of 84 summer
2: of 84 you can see those uh there you know countless other movies that this is is an influence on you can see it if you know what to look for you can definitely see it but uh there's a scene in uh what lies beneath? For Michelle Pfeiffer is in full on Jimmy Stewart mode when she's when she's you know looking, the looking out the windows. Yeah. Uh, so, but the influence of Hitchcock is over everything, and I think you know he influences people in every genre. That's the I was thing. It's not that. just mystery and horror. Although he does set the template for the slasher genre right. with Psycho. And he sets the template for Psycho with these movies here with the obsessive compulsive Mm -hmm. stuff, you know. So to really understand horror movies, I think you need to see and have an appreciation of Hitchcock, you know, because he's one of the one of the grandfathers of this genre. Yeah.
3: But like you said, I was gonna say that earlier. I think he has influenced so many people in so many styles that it doesn't matter what they're making. I think he's, you know, influential regardless of. Right.
2: And one of the things that I feel gets overlooked with him that you can see so well in this is. Man, the romance! He had a sense of rom- of romanticism, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, he knew how to shoot a woman. I'll tell you that he knew how yeah. to frame a woman. Boy, his his camera loved <laughs> loved women, and uh, yeah, yeah, he had an appreciation for the blonde, and yeah. and uh, this was the greatest blonde of all time in my book. Even yeah. even edging out Miss Pfeiffer by just just I'm by, shocked just by a bit. <laughs> Just by a bit. Could you have seen Michelle Pfeiffer working in this or working in a Hitchcock movie? Because I can see yes. that like no problem whatsoever.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. She's top on the list of somebody I could see for yeah. sure.
2: Absolutely. Faith, do you have anything you would like to add about uh, Rear Window or anything that you would like to add about Mystery Thriller Moth?
3: Uh, I think that's it for the movie, but I am excited about the movies you picked for this month.
2: I think we have a I think really we have a good, good month, yeah. and uh, I do. As I said at the beginning, this is actually kind of a director's month too, because mm-hmm. these great names. You know, yeah. next week, my God, we have. Is there any bigger name than Clint Eastwood? I
3: don't think so.
2: As an as an actor and a director, I mean, he is. It's amazing, and play Misty yeah. for me. is going to rock your world.
3: <laughs> I'm excited. Uh,
2: Mama Bluth from uh, Arrested Development. <laughs> she ain't doing anything too nice. <laughs> Nothing nice at all. Well, uh, I highly recommend Rear Window. Uh, if you have not seen it, please yeah. see it at your earliest convenience because yeah,
3: it's, it's it's great. I'm good. so glad you picked it.
2: Well, I'm uh, I'm as always. I'm glad you enjoyed it because you know it's always a crapshoot sometimes <laughs> when when you like something so much and you know how good it is and right. you know the other person just might not respond to it the right. way that you way that you think. But I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I'm um, looking forward to doing some more Hitchcock further down the road.
3: Me
4: too.
2: Definitely Psycho at the end of the month, right? I know. Right Does it feel like It's that time
3: I think it. It it, kind of feels like it It
2: feels Feels like it's that time There it is The sound of the
3: music Time to say goodbye
2: Have we not heard the chimes At midnight (laughs) I think Shakespeare said that Or was on Star Trek Or both Both (laughs) Well happy new year To all of you out there Thank you for tuning in We hope that Uh We hope that 2019 left you in mostly one piece. And we hope that 2020 is your best ever. Sincerely from the bottom of my heart, I hope 2020 is your best ever. I'm with you. Faith, you ready to do it? I'm ready. Let's do it.
3: May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm.
2: May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm.
3: Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast.
2: Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on on a a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side.
1: This is a coyote for the late night fright. We hope you enjoyed this episode on Rear Window. We hope you got good vibes from it. We hope you take them good vibes with you out into the world. There's a lot of nasty lucky loos out there. If you find them looking at you, just give them them good vibes. If you can't find them, look into your heart. They're there waiting for you. See you next time.